This is a conversation about truth and spectacle, a podcast where we talk to interesting thinkers and makers about the truth and spectacle in their work. Hello, Alex. Hello, Ivan. It's episode four, and you've had a conversation with Megapops. Yes, I thought I'd bring Megapops in. They are a creative team, and I met them at the School of Communication Arts in Brixton in London. I thought they were great to talk to because they make interesting work, they are lovely, they are true truth seekers, and they are women who are leading the creative industry into a new direction. Hello, it's great to have you here. Um, I think best is you introduce yourself. So I'm Megan Egan, I'm an art director from Creature London. And I'm Poppy Cummings Spain, and Meg's partner and copywriter at Creature too. And together we're known collectively as Megapops. Yeah, sticky name. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, and actually that leads me immediately to my first question. So you have very successfully built a brand for yourselves at a very early stage. What was the driver? When did you have that idea? <laughs> um, it was something that we were told to do at school, um, at School of Communication Arts, I should say. Um, yeah, they said, you need to make a name for yourself. There are going to be a lot of teams out there. You need to stand out in some way. And we were trying to figure out what was us, really. And somehow yeah. we came to Megapops, didn't we? I mean, we both, um, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And we really love puns. So we were trying to smash our names together. Uh, so we did settle on Moppy for a while. Yes. But then we realised <laughs> that that sounds a little bit tragic. Uh, makes us sound a bit sorry for ourselves and then one of our mentors dusty um said megapops and we were like that's it right there yeah. that's us <laughs> yeah and a lot of people told us not to do it because they said it was quite tacky and uh we decided to ignore them because we were like no this is us it's a little bit cringy a little bit silly and uh it works and it seems it, yeah it actually has worked it yeah, seems like people... it really has stuck yeah like so many people know us we we looked for like urls and we tried to find the stupidest one we could so we landed on megapops.party and everything's just a bit silly and tongue-in-cheek, which is... Us. Us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I read that you actually said once Megapops as a partnership made up of all the best and some of the ugly parts of two creatures called Meg and Pops. What do you think is the role of ugly parts in creating ideas that stick? Oh, everything would be so boring if everything was peaches and cream, right? You need to bring a bit of edginess and a bit of darkness into your work. And we definitely have that side. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got a dark side for sure. Yeah. I think it, it depends how you look at ugly parts. I think ugly parts are kind of the, maybe it's the insecurities and the issues that you might have internally, which make you understand how you work as a person and make you understand people. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what it is. It's not just us on our good days, it's us on our bad days as well, which sometimes produces interesting ideas. How much of your own truth bleeds into your ideas? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, tr it's, it, I think it's a bit of a balance. I think there's a lot of my own truth, but personally that would bleed into stuff because I'm quite sensitive and hyper aware of emotions which you're very aware of Meg's kind of kind of you're the yin to the yang that I am in that sense because I'm I think maybe not emotionally intelligent because I think that's a bit arrogant to say but just very aware of other people's feelings and that is kind of my truth which I use 
Yeah, um, I mean, meanwhile, I'm, I'm quite headstrong and I'm, I think we balance each other quite well, balance each other out quite well because I kind of leap straight away, whereas Poppy kind of, I feel like you weigh things up a bit more and you take into account a lot more factors. Um, so between us, we kind of balance each other out into a healthy, healthy mix. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, like, you know, when you, when you speak about truth as well, obviously working advertising is a bit of a difficult subject on that because sometimes you have to work on things that maybe necessarily you don't believe in but we've been quite lucky where we work and that we've had a, the chance to work on things that you know actually make a positive difference to the world whether that's making someone laugh or you know getting people to vote or anything so you know I think in that sense as well that's our truth in a way in the projects that we work on. What is um, a great idea that you're seeing currently around in the market? You think of something that's recent that I think is really great. A great idea. So now I'm struggling at the moment because I'm, I'm getting really bored of the whole jumping on the bandwagon of, um, you know, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Purpose? Purpose, yes. So, yeah, I'm getting quite bored at the moment with everyone jumping on the purpose bandwagon. Everything's starting to feel a little bit insincere, in my opinion. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of one that, that was good. Why, why, I mean... Why, like, Viva La Volva, for example, was cool. That was, like, really empowering and, and experimental and something that's really people shy away from. Yeah, it took, uh, took years to get out as well. Like, yeah. it was just serious perseverance from the creatives, I think, which is amazing because if we ever feel like we're, things are moving a bit slowly in a couple of months and you hear it took like three years to get an idea out into the world, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sprung off the back of the success of Blood Normal, I think. Um, I think the clients kind of saw the success of that and, and it came across as really sincere. It wasn't like these things of female empowerment. I find some of them quite cringy now. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, <laughs> but that that one for me was a was a really cool example of something that broke beyond advertising as well, and people were actually talking about it beyond the bubble. My friends liked, you know, that's the classic thing, isn't it? It's like things that my friends actually mentioned. Um, we again we go back to the things we've been doing. I've been quite lucky with my friends who hate advertising that we've worked on some nice projects. So I'm like, look at these good things that advertisers do, um, because most of the time they just think we're selling people crap that they don't want. Yeah. Um, and Viva Revolver was like definitely one of those things. Yeah. So it was good. I mean, like I think advertising is more than just that when people apply the creativity elsewhere. Like I saw something the other day, um, which was basically a vending machine for homeless people. Well, sorry, for like homeless shelters. So basically there's a huge problem in homeless shelters because people donate things and they have a surplus of one thing, but then they don't have enough tampons or something. So they've basically, um, a company's made a, I want to say AKQA, I could be wrong. Um, they've made a digital vending machine where it pulls in live data of homeless shelters that are close and it displays items that they need. So you can actually go and, and buy that item and then it it ships it to them straight away. So I think that's like a really cool thing that's happened in the industry recently that's not traditional advertising. So it just shows that the power of creativity is beyond just posters. Yeah, and I, um, so I agree with you. Uh, I find the current obsession on purpose slightly grinding at times now, um, because I think a lot of times, especially so-called brand purpose, 
is very thinly veiled advertising, mm-hmm. uh, greenwash, whitewash, emo wash. Um, I think the interesting thing of the vending machine is that this is probably something that we talk about when we call organizational truth. So that's what we do. You know, we as homeless shelters provide people with products. So actually giving you the opportunity to do that better and smarter and talk about it is a good way of spending money because you're not just communicating something, you're also creating something. Well, yeah, exactly. It's affecting real change, isn't it? Not just like standing, you're actually action rather than standing there and just saying it. Why did you decide to go into advertising? <laughs> yeah, this is a funny one for me because I always said I never want to work in advertising and I never want to live in London and here we are. <laughs> um, I So I didn't go down a traditional route, although, I mean, times are changing now, but I didn't go to university, so I did an apprenticeship um, in graphic design at a company called Imaginate, which was amazing because they were so small. It was like 12 people, but they worked on huge accounts so we had England Rugby, um, Inter Milan, Wimbledon, HSBC Golf Open, all that so I learned really quickly um, and then one day the day before the deadline for DNAD New Blood I saw um, a competition there basically for Desperados so I entered that and won a DNAD pencil had no idea what DNAD was um, got, got onto the academy and then from there, I found out about art direction. I thought everyone there was going to be a designer, but everyone was copyrights and art direction. So I had no idea what that was. And then I just kind of got the bug for art direction there because it felt like you had a lot more creative freedom. You weren't kind of making someone else's idea. You were coming up with the idea. And because I had design skills, I could actually make it as well, which felt like the perfect mix to me. So from that, I got the opportunity to go to the School of Communication Arts. So I got um, a DNAD scholarship there, which was incredible. Um, and Creative Equals also helped me move down here. And yeah, from there, I've just kind of, I feel like I've just fallen into it really, but I'm, you know, I'm loving it so far. It's just got, I just feel like I've got a lot more say over what I create at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) We're quite early doors. (laughs) Yeah, mine, my kind of story or reason for getting into advertising is very different from Meg's because I've wanted to do this since I was 15. Um, did a week's work experience. My dad's now ex-wife, um, we're still friends, <laughs> uh, is an illustrator and did lots of stuff, ad campaigns, and rather than get a week's experience somewhere that your school set up for you, she got me in an ad agency and they got me kind of like scamping ideas and whatever. And the um, ECD there, who was one of the grumpiest men I've ever met in my life, he ignored me for the entire week. And then at the end of the week, pulled me in for a meeting, which I was, very scared about and basically just said like your ideas are good you should do this um and I didn't think that I'd ever be able to make any money being creative I kind of had this idea that you'd be a struggling artist and I didn't really want to do that because I wanted to be successful and I thought oh maybe there's a way I can be creative um and actually still make some money <laughs> live. um but then yeah went to, I went to uni did history and philosophy um came out and then fell into account management somehow because I was bit pushed into having a job of some kind uh, and then escaped and uh, 
yeah, second time round trying to get into SEA, got in and met Megan and here we are. And our eyes met across the studio and we <laughs> fell in creative love. <laughs> So I've heard a lot today about the importance of making something. How would you define the relationship between creativity and create? Oh, I mean, I don't know anyone creative who doesn't have the urge to create things all the time. There's always this constant urge to be exploring and making, um, you know, even if it's just blog posts or, you know, street art or videography or anything like I think there's a huge internal pull inside creative people to go out and make stuff I don't know if you yeah no no I agree I think there's a frustration if you're not actually creating something if you're doing something creative it's why people get stressed when work isn't kind of getting out there and I think that's why making something real that's potentially physical but tangible in some sense is necessary and is more important and more interesting than something which just says that you feel a certain way you know so yeah that's why you know something like that vending machine just has a bigger impact something that actually impacts people's lives is something that you've created so yeah I thought there was an interesting question, we cut it anyway, around craft. So one of our provocations to companies very often is that um, creativity has become a buzzword. But most people now define creativity as problem solving, which absolutely is one part. But for us both, there is another additive meaning, which is to create and craft is a big part of actually creation. Um, do you feel that companies appreciate craft? I, I don't think so. I mean, I think some might do, but I think from sort of a few experiences we've had, craft, as I said, is bottom of the list, a lot, a lot less money put into that than a lot of other sort of parts of the process which just seems like such a waste. I think it's kind of a, I don't know, to me it's confusing that businesses or people seem to think in that way because when you think about how people look at other humans, beauty, which is craft really, is really important and it's really highly regarded. And we obviously there's also a big discussion around, you know, the validity of that, but how can you not apply that to work? Like making something really beautiful works. It changes it completely. Like, I don't know why people don't give that enough I know, precedence. Yeah, I've always really struggled with how people really undervalue craft. I mean, I've, um, I'm have i an illustrator. Um, I do street art and murals and stuff as well. And I'm, I'm a designer. And it's just that classic line with designers where it's like, oh, can you just whip me up a logo? And it will like, be good publicity or, you know, I'll pay you in beers. And I feel like that's really insulting to the craft that you've honed for many years for people to just assume that you can whip it up in five minutes and you do it for free. And it's always something I've struggled with, especially with my sort of street art side where I always have pubs contacting me asking me if I'll paint their garden for free for publicity. And, you know, it's just, it, it's a, it, I think it's a big issue that a lot of people face. And I have got been fortunate enough to get to a point where I can afford to just be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I think more people should take a stand on that. 
Yeah, I think with the craft also comes into it is um, time, giving things proper time for, get enough time to get to that right creative solution, whatever that might be, and then enough time to properly craft something that's beautiful rather than, yeah, knocking stuff up. Of course, it's reality that sometimes things have to happen quickly, but I think the way the industry is, everything needs to happen overnight. And sometimes that makes sense, but I think everything's just getting squeezed because if you can do it, if you have done something really quickly one time, then everyone thinks that that's just how long things take. And then you just end up producing substandard stuff because there isn't proper time. So I talk a lot about the speed trap when I get invited to talk about um, demystification of the so-called digital world. Um, and obviously one of the narratives is you have to be faster, 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 which is fundamentally not correct. Um, I think it's an interesting discussion. How does craft and beauty align with our need to become faster? And are those really two opposites or can you combine them? Can you just focus on certain things? Yeah, I just, I don't, I think Good th you know, it's classic Guinness line, good things come to those who wait. Like, really, really great stuff takes time, I think. I think, I think there's a balance, to be honest, because sometimes time pressure is actually a really good thing because there is a curse of too much time sometimes. I think you can fiddle with something so much that you actually lose the core of what made it great in the first place. So it's just different to every project and you never know. I don't think you ever really know if it was the optimum amount of time, but... Yeah, it would be nice to not be as rushed on something sometimes. But then, you know, like the campaign we've just released, we literally did it in a day and, you know, I think that was kind of fine for that for that project, you know, so it's just depends on what it is. Yeah, that was probably one of those anomalies where speed was... Yeah, it was literally like, come sense. up with an idea now. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> we talked an awful lot about truth. Um, when I met both of you at the school, um, I probably thought more about spectacle when I watched you, when I looked at your book. Um, do you like spectacle? I'm not making a spectacle of myself. Feels like it's a negative, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, people don't want to watch boring stuff, right? I, I like to think that we at least tried to push boundaries and and we ourselves don't take ourselves too seriously. So we were joking around, we're quite loud. People always mention our energy, especially when we're in a stupid mood, like, you know. But I just think it's a joy to be around. I mean, I'm not sure about us, just in general, just people that have a little bit of a spark to them rather than um, just being quite flat. And I think it shows in the work you produce as well. So in that respect, spectacles, a good thing. Yeah, I think it's it's funny because I kind of think of myself as being quite shy, which most of my friends scoff at when I say it. Um, so if you look at it, spectacle in a kind of more negative, exaggerated sense, then no, I don't like it because I don't I don't like anything that's too over the top. I'm a little bit more of a kind of restrained. I don't know, person, and that's the kind of stuff I'm into, I suppose. But it's interesting you say that, though, because your wardrobe is so bright and colourful, and, like, that to me is you being a bit of a spectacle because you, you're you very, like, out there with what you wear. Yeah. 
This, yeah, I'm a walking contradiction, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as you, as you said, I mean, earlier, I've been talking about something kind of reaching out and gra grabbing you by the neck, you do, or by the throat, should I say. Um, yeah, you don't want something that's kind of beige. And I guess you have to, there has to be a, a sense of spectacle in anything, otherwise it's just going to end up being forgotten. Yeah, living neon, not beige. There you go. I like that as, as a live motto. You don't want anything always to be beige. I think that's, yeah. that can Apart be... Apart from food. There is a time and a place. <laughs> yeah. When you're hungover. <laughs> time and a place to be beige. Are you more spectacle or are you more truth? Megan, are you more spectacle or are you more truth? Oh, that's a really tough question. I'd probably say truth because I'm very straight talking and I don't take any prisoners. <laughs> And Poppy? Yeah, truth. Every day. All day. I'm a truth seeker. I don't like um, naivety or rose-tinted glasses ways of looking at things. I'd rather know the harsh truth than not be aware of it. Whereas and people sometimes would rather kind of cocoon themselves away from that stuff. I don't. Yeah. yeah not for me. Brilliant. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Cool. Thanks for listening. There's a lot of talk about the advertising industry being in crisis, and it is. But Megan Pop, your testament to the fact that creative people are not in crisis. You should definitely check out their work at www.megapops.party. Party! Alex and I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you have any questions or comments, you can find us at truthandspectacle.com or LinkedIn. Just search for Alexandra Mecklenburg or Ivan Pulse. Or on Instagram, look for at Truth and Spectacle. Extra thanks to Richard and Robin for their never-ending fortitude. This is recorded in London and has been a Truth and Spectacle production. Is that your first podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Yours, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Podcast Virgins.